if you have been in medicine and working as a physician for any amount of time, chances are that at some point or another you got fired by a patient. Yeah, me too. And I know that can be very painful and hurtful uh, and I used to get super upset about it. But in this episode, I'm going to share three things that I have learned over the years from getting fired by my patients. So stay tuned and we'll dive right back in. Welcome to the Academic Revolution Podcast, where we are creating a movement to change the future of academic medicine forever. I'm Inga Hoffman, a Harvard-trained pediatric hematologist, oncologist, and a passionate leadership coach with over 20 years of experience in academic medicine. This is the first podcast for academic physicians that will show you how to achieve higher productivity, become an impactful leader, and create a highly successful career doing what you love without sacrificing your personal life. You and I know that the traditional system is broken, so it's time to say no to the old publish or perish mentality and say yes to lasting change. Join me as we transform academic medicine from the inside out, one physician at a time, starting right here with the Academic Revolution podcast. Well, welcome to another episode of the Academic Revolution podcast. I'm happy to connect with you today and also want to just share that at the time of this recording, it is about Thanksgiving time. We are only a couple of days away from Thanksgiving. And for those of you in the United States, I wish you a very happy, blessed Thanksgiving and a blessed and wonderful holiday season. But wherever you're watching from the world, I'm just so grateful that you're here. Now, today I want to continue the theme that we started last week about really getting at the heart of medicine, getting at the heart of healing as physicians that work in academia or quite frankly in any other settings. And today I want to continue on this theme and want to talk about an important topic which is entitled, What Getting Fired by Patients Has Taught Me Over the Years. If you are a physician, chances are at some point or another, depending on your specialty, you have had a difficult relationship perhaps with a patient and a patient might have fired you, meaning they felt like you're not a good fit for them anymore. They were upset for some reason, which happens. We are all human beings and that is normal that people are distressed and upset and maybe dissatisfied. And as a result of that, you might have gotten fired from your relationship caring for this patient. And honestly, that can be a very upsetting experience because I'm guessing if you're listening to this podcast that you have experienced that in general, you are a person, I bet, that is very deeply caring and passionate about what they do and passionate about helping patients, deeply caring despite all the obstacles we face in modern day healthcare, which quite frankly, isn't often conducive to providing the best care, given the bureaucracy, the administrative burdens, and the just very broken healthcare and academic system. And it doesn't make it necessarily easy for us to provide the care that we really want to provide as physicians to our patients. And that can make it really troublesome and difficult. So 
many of you probably out there are pouring their heart and soul into your profession, into caring for your patients. And it is very upsetting when all our hard work or despite of our hard work, things fall short and we seem to be not good enough. And a patient felt like that was a horrible experience and fires their doctor. But it happens to all of us at some point or another in your career. And depending on your specialty, it might happen more often than not, uh, than perhaps in other specialties. Again, this is not a common occurrence, but it can happen. And I just want to reflect on what I have learned over the years from being fired by a patient. I want to share a couple illustrative stories and then dive right into three points that I have learned. And I think that will be helping you to move forward from those experiences and gain a different perspective and a different level of awareness so that we can improve and move forward because that is really what we're here to do. So many years ago when I was a a fellow in pediatric um, hematology oncology, I had a patient during my first year of fellowship with a rare bone marrow failure disorder. And I love that kid. It was a patient I picked up right in July, fresh out of residency. I was passionate. I was excited to be a first year fellow. And I was excited to help those children and learn all that I could to be an expert in the field and make a difference. And this little boy, I was just so passionate about and felt very connected to the family and really wanted to learn all that I could to help him and create the very, very best outcome for him. So from my perspective, I went all in. I went the extra mile. Probably wasn't very good, like all of us fresh out of training, to even set boundaries, what I can and should be doing and shouldn't be doing, perhaps. Not in a bad way, but often, at least in pediatrics, we are very accessible to our patients. We don't have all the support staff that many of the adult physicians have. And so I was very invested and I really, really deeply cared. And so in general, I felt like I had an excellent relationship with that family from the start, going through the diagnosis, the early treatment, and ultimately a bone marrow transplant. And it was then in my second year of fellowship that I actually got some additional training. I trained in hematopathology, but I still carried some of those patients on during the first few months of my training there, despite being in a completely different clinical environment. So I invested a lot of extra time, even despite being in a different training program, to continue to care for my patients because they really matter to me. And I felt the ownership of that is my job and that is my responsibility and I take it very seriously. So I did a lot of extra stuff. I was juggling my hematopathology training to also then go walk over quickly to the other hospital to see the patient when they had an urgent need. Nevertheless, there was a part in the journey, which happens with patients with complicated illnesses, that we hit road bumps. And ultimately, that patient, I think, was not satisfied with how I handled some of those complications or the recommendations I made. Even though I made them with the best intent, actually very much trying to keep the family in mind and their wishes and their desires, and yet ultimately they decided, I just want 
this other attending who is on service right now being my primary hematologist and transplanter. And I was heartbroken at the time because I was like, I invested so much time and energy. I really deeply care. I didn't do anything wrong, yet you fire me for another attending. And that person actually didn't give really any differing recommendation. It was just sometimes the timing of recommendations is off. In any case, to make the long story short, I was heartbroken. And that was really, really difficult for me. But I learned a lot from those experiences. And more recently, I had a experience where a patient felt like they just want to have a different physician taking care of them, a different provider. And given that I have done this now for 20 years or so, I got a little bit of a different perspective. While I was not upset, but while I was disappointed because I felt like I'm trying to provide the best care that I know and really care and trying to provide the best recommendation and provide compassionate care, that it was just not a good fit. But I handled that situation much differently than I handled the situation years earlier or even the years in between. And it's because I learned over the years these three critical points when it comes to reflecting on being fired by a patient. So let me just go through them and hopefully it will help you if you are in a difficult patient situation to gain some perspective and not feel like you did something wrong. And that is just based on we're given the situation that that we assume that everything actually went as good as it can, but just sometimes things don't work out. So the first thing I want to mention is that when a patient fires you, number one, it's nothing personal. So that's really important. We often take these things very personal, and I certainly took it a lot more personal when I was a first-year fellow than, um, than more recent experiences after I've been an attending for a very long time. Nevertheless, let's be honest, it stinks a little bit when somebody fires you, when you have invested a lot of time and energy and care to help that patient. But here's the thing, it isn't personal. People, patients, families, they go through a lot of stuff. And especially in my field, for example, it doesn't get much worse than pediatric cancer for a lot of families. So it is a very challenging, difficult situation. And a family is going through so, so much that I cannot even imagine, even having done this for a very long time, I have not personally been on the other side. So this is just sometimes how families cope. And that, that is, that's just understandable in many levels. It isn't personal. Even it feels like it at the time. It's probably not because they hate you. Maybe they feel like they do because they're going through a lot of stuff. And that is just really hard. And sometimes we all have in life situations where it's easier to blame somebody else. An enemy, in this case maybe cancer, <laughs> Uh, for my patient's diagnosis, that is really hard to face. So number one, it's not personal. Number two, sometimes it's just not a good fit. It's just bad chemistry. 
you know, we all have experiences in life where we feel like it's just bad chemistry between people, right? Not everybody is your personal friend. Not even every colleague is your personal friend, although chances are some of your colleagues might be good friends to you. But see, it has all to do with personal chemistry, how you connect on a deeper level. And perhaps that level of connection or that chemistry is just not there. Perhaps you're just on a different wavelength. And there is nothing inherently actually wrong with that. It's just a level of awareness to realize people are just at different places, not just in their understanding, but in our physician-patient relationship, there is also a chemistry and a connection that goes on. It's like one human soul connecting with another on a deeper level, especially when we're dealing with very serious illnesses. And we all come from different walks of life. And there might be something in them or in you that just makes that connection more difficult based on our personal history, on their personal history, and interpretations and stories around their life and history. So that is often all there is to it. It's just a bad connection, so to speak. And there's really nothing um, that you or that you and I should be blaming ourselves for. It is just, for lack of a better word, bad chemistry. To illustrate the point a little further, if you think back to your, your school years, your high school or middle school years, I'm sure there were teachers that were awesome teachers, not just because they taught a subject well, but you had a connection with them. They seemed personable, they seemed approachable, and with that you had sort of a chemistry connection that you just felt you trusted that person and you respected that person. And there were other teachers that were probably fine instructors and skilled, skilled in their craft, but perhaps just not connecting with you. Um, we all had those teachers. I can think of a handful. And it's not because they were bad people or um, uh, anything like that. It's just a matter of chemistry and connection. So just keep that in mind as you move along. And the third point I want to make is that people need to feel comfortable. And especially that is especially true when there are some serious health issues it's maybe less so, I don't know, for primary care physicians, you have a, a, a time period to, you know, build that connection and that rapport. And, and many times, maybe there isn't anything serious going on, and we're doing health maintenance. But in, in most subspecialties, in my subspecialty in PC Monk, there are very serious health concerns going on. And the most important one that I've learned over and over and over again over the years is a family needs to be comfortable with whoever is there entrusting their care to, especially for my field when it comes to children. It's one thing to entrust your care to somebody, but it's a whole another level to entrust your child's care to somebody. At least that's my, what my personal and my professional experience has been. And very recently, um, I had a conversation around uh, a patient that wanted to transfer care to somebody else. And uh, I was chatting with uh, one of my colleagues and, and I said, you know, don't worry about this. This is, this is, this happens that 
they made a change in their decision. But the most important part is it doesn't matter how I feel about this, whether I have hurt feelings. And again, this is why I'm giving you these three points to cope through them and really raise your level of awareness and don't take them personally. But I think the most important one that at least I put in front of my mind is I'm here as a physician and as a physician healer to serve the patient. And if the patient is better served by another person, whether that's because of their expertise, whether that's because of a chemistry or connection, or just because of whatever, they don't like my haircut, um, that is silly. But it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, the most important thing to me is that they are feeling comfortable. And perhaps that is because of the seriousness of conditions I deal with, especially as a pediatric bone marrow transplanter. But it is very important. So what I reflected on this very recent experience where a patient transferred care to somebody else is to remind myself of this. And I did not learn this overnight, but having consulted on patients for second opinions for some rare diseases I'm highly expertised in from all over the world, I always tell families this, you need to be 100% comfortable with where you're getting your care and being comfortable with their recommendations. Even they might be scary. You might not want to agree with them. You might be scared out of out of your mind because of the seriousness of the condition, but you must be very comfortable to the best your ability to at least in the care you're getting. Because even if there is not that level of trust and comfort, then that's probably not a good match and it will make it a much more difficult road ahead, no matter how the outcome is going to be. So what I told my colleague when we reflected and discussed, you know, this transfer of care on this recent patient, I said, look, it's okay. They might be feeling comfortable, more comfortable with somebody else. And that's what matters most to me, because that is not insignificant what I believe when it comes to the outcome. You know, we all have technical skills, sure. But all things being equal in the way of expertise and technical skills, being comfortable with your physician, with your provider, with your team, and being well cared for is a huge part. And I never underestimate that. And I'd rather somebody go somewhere else and feel more comfortable than me getting my ego brushed. It doesn't matter to me. Again, I've done this long enough that I can now reflect on this. To me, the comfort level of a patient in that patient-doctor relationship is one of the most important things. And I told people in the past when patients consulted from other places and they said, I want to move over here. You know, I love, you know, thank you so much. Uh, can I uproot my family? And I tell them, you need to be comfortable, but not just with me, also with the circumstances, because uprooting your family to another location, um, being pulled out of your social and support network to receive care, complex care somewhere else is a whole nother level of discussion. So I hope this served you. And I really want you to, again, reflect on those points. When a patient fires you, it's not personable. It's sometimes just the way they cope when they're going through really difficult stuff. Number two, often it's just a bad chemistry, just like we all have 
different level of connections with different type of people. And that's okay. And number three, the most important thing to me, at least, and I think that is a good lens through which to see the world, is we serve the patient and the patient needs to be comfortable uh, with whatever is going on. That's how I approach things. It might not work for you, but I encourage you to just reflect on that next time you encounter a difficult uh, patient-physician relationship. All right, that's it for today. I hope this was helpful to you. And the other thing I want to perhaps remind you is that if you have not been fired by a patient, then uh, that's awesome. I'm so happy for you. But for most of us, if we are in this career for any length of time, it's not so much a question of if, but rather when. Um, I have known some of the most amazing colleagues that I would completely trust my life to, my kids' life to, if there would be any medical need. They have also been fired from patients, again, because of those three points I just made. So just understand, again, that's not about you. Uh, and hopefully this will help you being less taken back by those situations and and uh, and not being hurt by those situations, although, again, it can sting at times. So I hope you have a wonderful holiday season, and I will see you on the next episode. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to the Academic Revolution podcast today. If you've gotten value from today's episode, I would love for you to share it with your friends and colleagues and help create a movement that changes the future of academic medicine forever. Also, don't forget to follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn and visit ingahoffman.com for more information on how to work with me. Links are in the show notes. Until then, be well and see you on the next episode of the Academic Revolution podcast. 